We have an interesting thing going on here. Starting at verse 31, we've got something that kind of steals the show. But I truly believe that it is not the contextual, if you will, emphasis. In other words, we look at this passage and we see the contextual emphasis Peter's denial of Christ foretold. We see the conversation between Jesus and Peter as the contextual emphasis, but the contextual emphasis, and I'm not trying to use big words, I'm telling you what is the main purpose of this uh, passage is the new commandment that Jesus gives. And that's the simple message for today. We've spent three services, two Sunday mornings and two Sunday nights ago, and then last Sunday morning on the reason for our thanksgiving. The reason for our thanksgiving is not our material possessions, even though praise the Lord for those. The reasons for our thanksgiving are our eternal provisions that can never be taken away from us. Everything on this planet can and will be taken away from us at some point in time. Everything that Jesus has endowed to us, we will never lose. Never. And, and I think it's so important for you and I to have that as our base for our existence, if you will, and our praise, that the things that we can see are temporal, the things that we can't see are eternal. You can't see your mansion that's being built for you. It's there. You can't see the forgiveness that was done for you on the cross. It was there. You can't see the eternal promise of your son or daughtership, but it's there. And everything that you and I can see and lay our hands on on this planet, it's temporary. It's not going to last. And so... That's the reason for our thanksgiving. We're taken care of. We, we, we have a mansion on a hilltop somewhere. Our God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I saw a lot of those cows this weekend going to Arkansas and back. They're impressive. And if God ever needs to provide for you, all he's got to do is load a few of those up and sell them. He got no need for money. He's good. He can... Create it if he needs or wants to. And so if you and I are a child of the king, we are taken care of. That's the reason for our thanksgiving. But we live in this temporal world. And I know you're like me. It's what we see on a daily basis. And if we're not careful, the real reasons for our thanksgiving doesn't get through to the heart. And if we're not careful, we struggle with the temporary day in, day out. So we have to discipline ourselves to rejoice evermore. In all things, again, I say rejoice, Paul says. You've got to pray without ceasing. You've got to be in a constant, if you will, attitude, just an open discussion between you and the Lord. And in all things, give thanks, good or bad. In all things, give thanks. So that's the discipline of praise. And so today, we just get to the making sense of it all. That's the simple title of this message, making sense of it all. Let's stand for the reading and reverence of God's holy word. Even though we're not going to get sidetracked with 
and, and please don't get me wrong, it's a worthy, it's a worthy topic. But we're not going to get sidetracked with the denial of Peter, but we're going to use it as an analogy at the end of the message. But we're going to today make sense of it all with what is truly the most important part of this passage. So here we go in John chapter 13, verse 31. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Now, this is Jesus once again speaking in riddles. You, you remember that God, through Christ, his Son, kept some things hid, but... He said enough about it had they not been struggling with the temporary. Jesus, you're going to deliver us from the Roman Empire, right? Jesus, you're going to be our king here on earth, right? Had they not been struggling with the temporary, they would have seen what he was really here to do. And Jesus is telling them, I'm fixing to be crucified for you and all your sins. And my father's going to be glorified as a result. And then he's going to glorify me by raising me back up. That's what he's saying. Look at verse 33. Little children, yet a little while I'm with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to you. Now he's telling them, you've just got a little bit more time with me. And then Garden of Gethsemane is going to happen, and I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to go away for three days, and you're going to look for me. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get sidetracked. And then, and then he says it. Verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now, notice verse 36, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? He didn't hear a word Jesus said, did he? Except... And, and if we're not careful, we're bad about this. The moment he heard Jesus, his leader, his king, his creator, say something that ticked him off, he was sidetracked with that. He says, uh, where are you going, Lord? And Jesus answered, whether I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter puffed his chest out. Verse 37. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Now, all of us with this perspective on this side of Peter's denial, we look at that and we go, Pfft. you didn't even know your own self, Peter. How many of us are in that same boat? You know, and we're going to bring that out here in a minute. And Jesus answered, verse 38, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, which means truly, truly, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me three times. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you again to add your blessings to the reading and reverence of your holy word. And Father, we just ask you to help us to see and hear and take a hold of these wonderful nuggets of truth. Help us to apply them to our lives. Change us to look more like you. In Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it. Amen. You may be seated. Point number one. People are the product. People are the product. 
when you see a business or an entity or an organization, I mean, fill in the blank, they have a product. They're selling a product. Now, a lot of times, probably most of the time, they're selling or pushing the product for finances, for money. That, that's really the product of the business. I'm a capitalist. I'm good with that. It's just so important, though, that a church realize that's not their product. We get accused of that being our product. You've heard it. All that church cares about is money. Now, I believe that some of those people probably have a fair, what would the word be, uh, you know, complaint. Because there are some churches, if you will, maybe even you could say some denominations that have made finances the key and the product. That's for God and someone else to determine. But watch this. We know. If you've been to a business meeting here, if you've seen the cost of things, it takes money to run anything. It takes money to run a house. It takes money to run a family, run a home, run a school. It takes money. But a church that knows what she ought to know knows that money's not the product. People are the product. But it takes money to reach people. I remember when we voted in 1990, some odd time, to do Awana. The biggest concern of this youth director was how much it cost. Awana is expensive. You can look at our budget report. We budget close to $10,000 plus for Awana. Sunday school costs money. CR costs money. Anything that helps us reach people, if it's a worthy program, it costs money. And it's worth it because people are the product. We have yet to have a youth program that rivals Awana. Awana is worth every dollar spent. I, I believe the same about CR. I believe the same about Sunday school fill in the blank of the ministries that we do here. It's absolutely worth it. But we've got to remember, people are the product. And so that's what Jesus is saying to his apostles. People are the product. Love one another. I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus says to Peter, James, and John and company. Love one another. Now... God's people first. God's people first. We, the Bible says that benevolence should start at the household of faith first. We are to love one another first. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you show love one for another. Church, I think we do a decent job at that, but I'm telling you right now, there's always room for improvement. I'm hoping and praying that through this message, the Holy Spirit speaks to you a name, speaks to you a situation, speaks to you a need, whatever the case may be, within this fellowship that you can reach, that you can meet, that you can help with, whatever the case may be. Because according to this scripture, this is how we reach the world, by showing love one to another. Wow. 
So, I mean, to me, this is making sense of it all. And so, Brother uh, Brad is going to put up our Bethel approach just as a reminder. One of the most exciting things in church life experience is when God brings new people to us. New people are not more important than quote-unquote existing people, but they are just as important. Now watch this, and amens rang throughout the building. Just had to say that. When God brings new people, he's not just bringing that person or persons, he's bringing their sphere of influence too. And now yours and my ability to reach more people has been expanded because of their sphere of influence. And watch this. This is the coolest thing. And that pe- those people that he brings may actually be the key to some of your people in your sphere. And God may actually open up an avenue to reach somebody because he brought a new person into the church family. How cool. Is that. And so the Bethel approach is simply because we want our new folks to buy in. We want all of our folks to buy in. Bethel to the world, knowing Christ, living Christ. So this is our message to the world. We want you to know Christ and as a result, live Christ. And we know that when you start living Christ, what is Christ going to do sooner or later? He's going to bring you to a local fellowship because he knows. This is where my child can flourish. Well, when we get in this local fellowship, Bethel to Bethel, know your name, live your name. This is our name, Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. That's our name, Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. Bethel, a personal love relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, how did you get that, Brother Ben? Bethel is an Old Testament word. Beth means house. El means God. That's how we got it. I'm assuming M.M. Hamlin in 1899 and the other people that assembled picked that name because it's been that name since 1899. It's a good name, House of God. And it's not talking about this building. It's talking about you. I am a house of God. You are a house of God. The only way you are a house of God is if you have a personal relationship with God. And the only way to have a personal relationship with God is to say something along the lines of, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve eternal punishment. I believe that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for those sins. So I ask him now to forgive me of my sins, to come into my heart and be my Savior. We call that the sinner's prayer. Now, John Smith, when he was eight years old, said this, God saved me. And God saved him. But he knew that he was a sinner because he'd had good Bible preaching through his dad, he knew that he deserved eternal punishment. He knew that Jesus had died on the cross for his sins, and he knew that if he asked him, Jesus would save him. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So this is the most important thing, that we make sure that all those people within our sphere of influence know how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So now watch this, but this is Bethel to Bethel. We're making sure that we all know that we're doing this. Missionary. We're having a missionary come tonight. I didn't even realize that this was a thing because I just, you know, I knew what self-support meant. But there were several people here in this fellowship, they told me, 
Brother Ben, we don't know what you mean when you say self-support. So I want to make sure and tell you, Brother Mike Quillman is coming tonight. He is hoping and praying to be full support. Meaning, when he gets on field in Zambia, he doesn't need to go get a job because we will be paying his salary. And I say we, local, visible bodies of called-out believers in the Baptist Missionary Association will be paying his monthly and weekly salary. He's full support. Well, watch this. If God hasn't called you to Zambia, Africa, or some place like that, he's called you to the place you're living right now. And if he hasn't called you to reach out to other uh, fellowships to support you to be a missionary to your neighborhood, watch this, he's calling you to go get a job. And that secular employment is self-support. Every one of you that are working secularly, God has provided for your self-support missionary status. He has, and that's all we're saying Our name is Bethel Missionary Baptist Church. Missionary means something. It means that we go and share the gospel with the people in our world. So here it is. We are self-support missionaries to Franklin County. Baptist. This word means a lot of things outside of these walls. Inside of these walls, we got to make sure that it's not threatening. It simply means the distinctives of this book. It means eternal security. It means the Trinity. It means salvation by faith through grace alone, so on and so forth. Baptist means something. It means the distinctives of this book. And we've got to embrace them, know them, and live them. Church, we have responsibility to one another and to our community. Now, in the context of this message, as I was preparing this week, I'm like, Lord, should we put that at the top? (laughs) Because making sense of it all is understanding that as I love the people within my fellowship, the world's going to know that I'm a disciple of Christ. And I haven't been led to move the, the order here. It's just important for us all to know that it starts here. It starts here. We have a responsibility to one another. That's why I'm wearing this. That's why I pray for the Hatfields. That's why I pray for the Kimseys and fill in the blank. Folks that are having children because I love them. And I know you do too. And you pray for me when you hear, when I tell you that my brother is struggling foundationally with struggles, you pray for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When you hear me talk about my mom and her cognitive issues, you, you pray for Betty. Thank you, thank you. When Jamie says, please pray for our meeting tomorrow night, we pray for her because we love her, so on and so forth. This is how we prove to the world that we are disciples of Christ. And I'm not just talking about praying. It goes way beyond that. And there's some physical things that we need to do for folks that, that are struggling and the such. And that's how, that's how the world sees. That's how the world sees. All right. Point number two. Passion is the catalyst. If love is a choice, then passion comes only after the choice is made to love one another. Church, I believe with all my heart that passion is not an inert thing that just comes out. I believe passion comes out once you've made a choice to do something. I used this in first service. I'll try it in second service, see if I get away with it. Because you see, the person that this is going to be pointing towards wasn't in first service, for those of you that may not have caught that. If you spend any time with me through January to March, you're going to say, boy, Brother Ben's passionate about maple syrup. No, I'm not. It's Gavin's fault. 
And even before Gavin, it was Al Morocco's fault. I, I didn't know any better. I went to Walmart and bought my maple syrup and was glad to do it until I realized that you could put a hole in a tree, maple tree specifically, and you could collect, <laughs> collect the sap, boil that stuff down. That's how you say it, boil. It's not boil, it's boil. Boil this. I know, I'm just trying to help you. You boil that stuff down, and after several, several hours in trees of wood, you get maple syrup. And nothing against Walmart, but it's so much better than what you can buy, in my humble opinion. And you might say, man, that dude's passionate. You'd say, Gavin, wow, Gavin's passionate. Al Morocco's passionate. Watch this. It started with a choice. Uh, I like syrup. <laughs> I do. I like pancakes. Love sausage. <laughs> it all goes together. And before you know it, you're tapping every tree that'll stand still. <clears throat> and you're getting it after yeah, and oh, my goodness. Watch this. I'm telling you right now, church, if we will make the collective choice today to love one another, God will provide the passion. And I'm not telling you that we don't. I'm telling you there's room for improvement. This is where it makes sense. This makes sense to the world. This makes sense of it all. When we love each other so much so that the world says, wow, I don't know what they got going on there at Bethel, but I want some of that. And they come and they make themselves a part of it too. And their sphere of influence is open to us as well. Passion. Passion has to come. Point number three. Pursuit brings passion. Pursuit brings passion. If you and I will pursue the lover of our souls, he will provide the passion for everybody else. He really will. I've, how many times have I told you? God will not let me get away with mistreating his daughter. He won't do it because he loves her too much and vice versa. And when we are wrong towards each other, he loves us enough to say, oh, hang on. Before you come all lovey-dovey to me, you've got to go apologize. That's how it works. If there's issues and, and problems in this church towards one another, God cares deeply about that. And he will love you enough to say, you need to get that right. Gerald Mitchell used to preach in his revival services that revival will not come to a church until bef before they come this direction, they cross the aisle and make things right. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. W one of the greatest books to be given to the kingdom of God is by Ken Sandy, the peacemaker. The peacemaker. And it's all based on scripture on how to be a peacemaker. You see, we're never going to love each other until we like each other. We're never going to like each other until we get along with each other. We're never going to get along with each other until we do it the way God says do it. And so, Church, if you don't think that the devil is trying to destroy this church by inward fighting, you are absolutely blind. I'm not telling you that there's any of that going on. I'm telling you that he's trying. And he, if he can get us at each other's throat, he's got, he's got us. He truly does. We're almost done. Now, when we realize that he has pursued us all along 
He then invites us to join him in pursuing a lost world. And one of the greatest ways to pursue a lost world is to love one another. By this shall all men know. So lastly, Peter. Peter got his feelings hurt when Jesus said, you can't go with me. And when Peter challenged that, Jesus said, you think you're worthy to follow me? And Peter puffed his chest out and said, I'll follow you to the death. And Jesus had to let Peter in on an unknown fact. Peter, it's so much worse than that. You're not only not going to die with me, you're going to deny me in front of a heathen crowd. And I'm sure Peter fought against that in his flesh. He knew better than to fight against it to the Lord. Hear me. And church, I hope and pray that you know that I'm not trying to stomp on anything or anyone today. But please hear me. This is what God spoke to me in preparing for this message, this part of it. I am just like Peter. If we're not careful, we all think we're better at serving the Lord than we really are. And all I'm asking us to do today is to ask the Lord, really, Lord, where am I at on loving one another? And Lord, break through my blindness, break through my refusal to see my failures and show me truly How good am I at loving and loving others? Because you see, once Jesus broke through to Peter, after he had denied Christ, guess what Jesus did? He restored him. And guess what Peter did? Whatever Jesus told him to do. And God used Peter to reach 3,000. God used Peter to reach 5,000. God used Peter to heal a lame man. I love that phrase. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Rise up and walk. Now, does that sound like a loud mouth, uh, how would you say it, offended, uh, shrinking, rose fisherman after he's been corrected by his Lord? No. No, he was corrected by his Lord. He did fail his Lord. He repented, he was restored by his Lord, and now he's lighting the world on fire. You and I can do the same thing. You and I, I, church, I got failures. I've got failures. But God does, can, will forgive me, and God can use me to light my sphere of influence on fire. He wants to use you for the same thing. Will you stand? Musicians, will you come? Ask God to show you. Ask God to show you. Let's bow our heads. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is an invitation. We're inviting you to come forward. I'll send you someone gender appropriate. I shared with first service that, you know, I I say that every time we have an invitation. One of these days, someone's going to walk the aisle. And we've had it certainly in 25 years here. It doesn't happen a lot. What if God starts making that happen on a regular occasion? Are you ready to share the gospel? We used to call it front pew qualified. Are you ready to share the gospel? We need to get ready.
We need to prepare for rain. Father, I ask you right now to even guide this prayer. Lord, I ask you to help us to absolutely agree with you and buy in that people are the product. I ask you to help us to buy in that the best way to reach people is to love one another and to love them like you love them. And then I ask you to show us if we're not doing that presently. Show us, Father, if we have not made this a priority. And then show us then how to correct it. Forgive us where we failed you. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you come? Thank you.